find you well. We're going to start with a word of prayer. Um, there's always loads to pray about with what's going on in the world. Pray for our local, state, and national leaders as they continue to try to make decisions about all that's going on. I pray for our church and our church family. We still have several that have either been exposed or have tested positive for the virus, so continue to pray for them. Pray for Judy as she recovers. Uh, pray for Joe and Sharon. Pray for Jerry and Belinda. Uh, Jerry had surgery this week and is being going to move to Enid for rehab for a period of time, so pray for them. And pray for others that you may know that are having issues and struggles at this time. Pray for the other churches in God, and all of us have got to kind of work together and figure out how to move forward and do what needs to be done so we can reach Godman for Christ. Pray for Texas County Memorial Hospital, the staff, and all the health care workers. Pray for Dan Stiles, the board, the staff, and the residents of the manor. Pray for the teachers and the students and the local school boards as, te- as the school boards as they make decisions, the teachers as they deal with whatever decisions are made, and the students and the parents as they kind of go through it as well. Pray disciples of Jesus would have a righteous influence on the world and pray they would also have a righteous testimony before the world. Pray Americans would awaken to their spiritual poverty, their desperate need for Jesus and would turn to Jesus for salvation. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would launch uh, Christians into their communities to be witnesses for Christ. Pray for ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church at this time. Pray for people to see truth. Pray error would be exposed. Pray people with wicked agendas would be made weak. We just want to spend time and and pray for one another and pray together. Let me read to you from Psalm 103. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He maketh known his ways unto Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and remembereth we are dust. As for man, his days are grass, and his flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over, and it is gone, and the place thereof, none shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness is unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, to them who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all, blessed Bless the Lord, O ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, 
all His works in all places, His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You today. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Lord, we come today and we are thankful for all the benefits, all the good things You have poured out upon our lives. We are thankful for Your mercy. Father, You have not punished us according to our iniquities. Lord, we have sinned against You. We have gone astray against You. And despite this, You have given us mercy after mercy and grace upon grace. You have given us Jesus who has died to pay the penalty for our sins. You have given us the Spirit to to convict us and draw us and show us our need for Jesus and, and carry us along until we came to Jesus and cried out to Him. Father, You have... Given us your word to show us the way. You have given us the church so we can gather with others who are struggling in this life as we are. Others who have sinned and fallen short. Others who strive to live for you and do your will. That we can encourage one another, strengthen one another, and and be a blessing and a help to one another. So Father, bless our church and strengthen us. Help us, Father, to be a place where... Your word is proclaimed where the gospel goes forth, where souls are saved and lives are changed. Bless those in our church that are sick or are recovering. Bless those that are uh, going off to different places with the hospitals. Give them strength and wisdom. Father, let there be healing and peace through our midst. Guide us as a church to reach out to our community that we would see Gaiman one for Christ. Help us, Father, to make disciples of all nations. Your word is said. God, as today as we look at your word, strengthen us through it, encourage us through it. Let it motivate us, Father, to move forward following Jesus no matter what obstacles we face, no matter how long it takes or how hard it gets. Let your spirit be to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding this morning that we would know the hope of your calling the riches of your inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power toward us as believers. Fill me with your spirit and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Use me for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we are today going to be in Joshua 12, 13, and 14. So if you're going to open your Bible to that. Now when I was stationed in the 101st Airborne Division, we had a change of command service. Uh, And when I first arrived at Fort Campbell, the 101st Airborne Division, our company commander, his name was Captain Kubista. Uh, And we called him Captain America because he was about six foot six and about 250 pounds and he was all muscle and he was all infantry and he was all hua. Uh, He and his wife, this is not a joke, he and his wife did road marches together on the weekend. That, That is how committed to being an infantry ranger soldier Captain Kubista was. Well, As time went on, Captain Kubista was transferred and we received a different company commander who came from the mechanized infantry world. Now, the main difference between the mechanized infantry world and the light infantry world is the mechanized infantry soldiers, they ride in armored vehicles and then they jump out and fight, whereas light infantry soldiers walk to where they're going to fight and then begin the fight. Well, one day as our new company commander has leading us in a a training exercise out in the field, he determined it was time for us to do a 12-mile march. We were going to march from where we were to where our next training was going to be. 
and it was 12 miles from start to finish. Well, that was nothing new to us. We, uh, under Captain Kubista, we did 12-mile road marches with 50 to 60-pound packs every Friday. That was the main thing we did then. And so Captain Luke lit, led us on the way, and we began to go over the hills and through the woods, because that's how you do kind of a march. You, you march like you train, and you go through the woods, and you patrol. Well, as we began to move, and we moved several miles over the hills and through the woods at Fort Campbell, Captain Luke realized that going over the hills and through the woods was very, very difficult with a 60 or 70 pound backpack. And so he decided it was time for us to move to the road and do a road march rather than through the woods march. Now, that a road march is much easier, right? The, the, the ground is flat, there's no trees, there's no vines, there's, there's nothing. It's a lot easier. The difference, though, is when you plan an over the hills and through the woods march, you, you plan basically straight line. Point A to point B, and you really don't vary. You just kind of go as straight as you can. But roads, roads don't go that way. Roads go like this. And so what was a, a 12-mile straight through the woods march was about a 25 or more mile march across the roads. And as we began to, to move on this long march, people uh, began to kind of fall out. Right, and what that means is they began to, they got, they twisted their ankles, they passed out, uh, they, they ended up one way or another for one reason or another, they quit doing the march and they got on the trucks that were following us. And at one point during one of our breaks, while somebody was loading up from another platoon, our platoon sergeant came to us and he told us, not one of us from our platoon, none of us we're going to fall out. None of us were getting on the truck. We would finish the march no matter how long it was. Now, keep in mind, we started this march in the evening. So we had already been up all day. And now we were marching all night to go somewhere to train. And now our, our platoon sergeant tells us none of us can fall out no matter what. Well, as we began to watch these other platoons and their soldiers fall out, we began to determine we wanted bragging rights. We would be the only platoon that had zero fallouts. Not one person, we determined, of our platoon would fall out no matter what. If we had to carry one another on our backs, nobody from our platoon was getting on that truck. And I'm happy to say, we had zero fallouts. And we were the only platoon in our company to make the march from start to finish. Now, our finishing, it wasn't because it didn't hurt. It hurt a lot. It wasn't because we weren't tired. We were tired. Our, our having zero fallouts was because our desire to finish the march was greater than the temptation to quit. Our desire to finish the march was greater than our temptation to quit. As we seek to move forward following Jesus, there are going to be times where it's hard. There are going to be times where it hurts. There are going to be times where we're tired. And there are going to be times where we're tempted to quit and say, this is good enough. And if our desire to continue to move forward following Jesus is not greater than our temptation or greater than the temptation to quit, 
We will quit. Now it's easy enough to say our desire to move forward must be greater than our temptation to quit. But that's easy enough to say until the battle or the moving forward goes on and on and on for longer than we imagined it would. That's easy enough to say until moving forward becomes far more difficult than we thought it would. Until the pain really begins to accumulate of the changes and the moving and the differences that are being made in us and through us and for us. And when that moment happens, what do we do then? That's where we have to find a motivation, a reason. We want to move forward. We have to find out our desire to move forward is greater than the temptation to quit. Now, Joshua and the Israelites faced a similar question to this where we're at. Now, we're going to look at chapters 12, 13, and 14, but I want to read to you from Joshua 13 and just read the first two verses. Now, Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And this is the land that yet remaineth, and then it goes on and lists the land. Now, we're going to look at all that I talked about, but I just want to read those two verses. The title today is Continuing to Move Forward. Now, after 40 years of walking in circles, waiting for their parents and the generation before them to die, so they could cross the Jordan into the Promised Land, after seven years of pretty consistent fighting to, to put the people out of the land, Joshua and the Israelites still yet have very much land yet to take. Now receiving all God had promised them wasn't going to come quickly it seems. It wasn't going to come easily it seems. Now when you read the book of course you know they decided... They would continue to move forward. That they didn't get to hear and say, we're done, this is enough. Instead, they pushed forward. They knew moving forward wasn't going to be easy. They knew moving forward wasn't going to be quick. But they wanted to because their desire for all God had promised them, their desire to move forward was greater than any temptation they may have felt to stop and to stay Where they were. They knew. Experiencing all God had promised them. It was forward. Right. Everything God promised was moving forward. It wasn't going back the way they came. It wasn't staying where they are comfortably. It was forward. And so their desire to move forward was greater. Than the temptation to stay. The lesson for us in continuing to move forward <clears throat> is our desire to move forward must be greater than the temptation to quit. But there must be something in us that says, I want more. I want forward. I want all God has. And yes, I am tempted to quit right here, right now, but I'm not going to. I am going to keep going and keep moving. And I'm not going to stop. And I'm not going to back up. And I'm not going to let up. 
And so part of what we have to do in order to keep our desire to move forward greater than the temptation to quit is find ways to fuel our desire to move forward. Right By constantly fueling our desire to move forward, we keep that desire stronger than the temptation to quit. And this passage, or this long series of passages, it gives us four ways to fuel our desire to go forward. So it will remain stronger and greater than the temptation to quit. Number one, <clears throat> remember past victories. Remember past victories. Look at Joshua 12. And in all of these chapters, we're not going to read all the chapters. We wouldn't have time. I'm just going to read selected verses to kind of give you the picture of what's going on. So, Joshua 12. Now, these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed. Uh, which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon and all the plains on the east. Now, if you look down at verse 6, it says... Then did Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel smite. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it for, for possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of, the Midianite, of, of Manasseh. So here's what we see in this chapter. In these first six verses, there is a remembrance of what God has done in the past. There's a remembrance of the victories they had won in the past. Right In the years leading up to Joshua taking over and leading the people across the Jordan River, Moses was the leader. And as Moses led them, there were armies they conquered, there were kings they brought down, there were lands they took through the power and the, the, the empowering and the enabling of Almighty God. And so what they're doing is they are remembering what God had done in the past and allowing what God had done in the past become a fuel to, to strengthen their desire to move forward and continually experience more of God's presence, more of God's power, more of God's victories in their life. Listen, there is something very encouraging, very powerful about remembering past victories. Remembering what God has done for us in the past in our lives. And if we remember these properly, they can fuel our desire to move forward following Jesus. They can make us say, I, I want more of that. I want more victories. I want more of God's presence. I, I want more of God's power. So I'm going to go forward where these things are going to be displayed in my life again. Now when you think about remembering <coughs> past victories. Think in terms of one personal. What is a specific past victory you have experienced? Right? What is a way God has given you victory in your life in the past? Right. So this is you. This isn't a story you heard. This isn't a book you read. This isn't an illustration somebody told. This is you. How have you experienced the presence and the power of God in your life in the past? How has God in the past given you a victory? 
Think also in terms of family. Again, what is a specific past victory your family has experienced? Not not another family, not even someone you know about a lot, but your family. What is a specific way God has worked in your family in the past? And then think about in terms of church. What is a specific past victory our church has experienced? What is a specific way God has worked in our church in the past? And this week on Facebook, a, a memory popped up of something I had shared several years ago. Here's the article. You may not be able to read it, but this is a picture of the article. And it comes from a, a January 1957 edition of Contact Magazine, which in 1957, this was the official publication of Free Will Baptist. And here's what that article says. Diamond, Oklahoma. Services are being held in preparation to the organization of a Free Will Baptist church here. Reverend Wade Jernigan, who is in charge of the work, said, We believe... This will serve as a springboard for the five-state area of Oklahoma, Kansas, New Mexico, Texas, and Colorado. There is not a free will Baptist church in the area of any of these states. Services are temporarily being held at 622 North Crumley. The building site for the congregation is at 15th and Beaver. And plans are being made to build an educational unit there soon. Any contribution for this new work should be sent to Miss Fred Kiefer, 1408 North Academy, Diamond, Oklahoma. Now, if I'm doing my math right, from 1957 to 2020, 63 years. 63 years is a long time for a small church in a rural area, to exist. And there have been loads of victories along the way. Lots of ways God has worked in our church during this time. Just our continued existence is a victory. It is evidence of God's favor and God's work. This church was started from the ground up. When a group of families from various parts of Oklahoma who were free will Baptists came together and said they think there ought to be a free will Baptist church here. There were no more free will Baptists anywhere around here to pull from, to try to draw from another church. And so they sent word back to the state, back to Oklahoma City and more. And the state office sent two things to help plant a church in Guyman, Oklahoma. One Wade T. Jernigan and $25 a month for three months. And at the end of three months, Wade's final check came and it said there was no more help coming. And they questioned him. Why did he move all the way out here to start a church anyway? There's been a lot of rough times from that first day Unto this day. And yet the people of the church persevered. And so the church persevered. 
In the 63 years the church has been here, the gospel has been proclaimed thousands of times. No telling how many people have professed faith and come to know Jesus as their Savior in the 63 years the church has been here. I don't know how many people have been baptized, but many have been baptized in this church. The church has helped feed the poor of Gaiman and helped provide a place for the homeless and the transients who come. We've helped fund international missions. We've helped people in, that were going through a crisis in other parts of the state and other parts of the world. We have done much good for our community and for our world in the 63 years. Make no mistake, Guyman is a better place because the Northridge Free Will Baptist Church was planted in 1957. The world is in many ways a better place because of work the church has done. Here in Guyman, Oklahoma. Remembering past victories. And the ways God has worked in our lives and our family and our church in the past. Fuels a desire for more. We, we want more gospel proclaimed in Guyman from this church. We want to see more souls saved. As a result of the ministry of this church in Gaiman. We want to see more people baptized in the baptistry here in Gaiman. We want to help more people in our community. We want to reach more people throughout the world and help more missionaries stay on the field. We want more of what God wants to do in us and through us and for us. And we, we feel that when we think about it in our personal lives. When we think about it in our families. And when we think about it. In our church. Now I do want to give a caution. Here. Remembering past victories is great. So long as we don't try to live. In the past. Be encouraged. By the past. But don't live. In the past. Those days are gone. And they're not coming back. The world is before us now. And it's time to move forward. We celebrate those. We rejoice in those. We are encouraged by those. But we don't long to go back to that. We don't strive to go back to that. Instead we let those encourage us. God has worked in me. In the past. God has worked in my family in the past. God has worked in our church in the past. And I want more. And so forward I go. The desire to move forward must be greater than the temptation to quit. So we must fuel the desire to move forward by remembering past victories and ways God has worked in our lives. Secondly, celebrate current victories. Right, if you look at Joshua 12 and verse 7, it says, and these are the kings of the, of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel smote on this side of the Jordan on the west. So what it does is it gives a list of the, the kings that Joshua and the Israelites have conquered through the power of God. Right? They now, they have crossed the Jordan. They have taken Jericho and Ai and they have moved forward and these are the things God has done in them. Now, again, technically, I know we know this is past. But it's part of the current trend. It's part of the current things God is doing in their lives. 
It is a reminder. God is here. God is at work. God is giving us victories. Let's go forward. Because this seems to be what God is doing in our lives right now. When something goes on longer than we expect. And it's harder than we anticipate. It's easy to focus on what's hard. It's easy to focus on what's not being done. It's easy to focus on what's yet to be done and get discouraged. And if we do that, discouragement leads to sitting. We just quit. We give in to the temptation because I've worked all this time. I've put forth all of this effort and now I still have all this work to do. So what we have to do is make a point to look for what God is doing right now in our lives. Make a point to see what God is doing right now in our lives. To specifically acknowledge what God is doing right now in our lives and then celebrate these victories. Again, think in terms of personal What is a specific victory you have recently experienced? What is a specific way God is working in your life? Now, these don't have to be big. If we were to go through the book of Nehemiah, which we wouldn't have time for today, we see at one point they celebrate a small victory. What is something God is doing in your life right now? It may be something as a victory. God has given you victory over a particular sin. Celebrate that. Yes, there may be more you struggle with, but celebrate the one. Or maybe God is burdening your heart in ways you've never been burdened before. Maybe you know this is God leading you to do something, to try something, to to giving you a greater love for His Word, a greater desire to share the Gospel. What is God doing in your life right now? He is doing something. Look for it. See it. Acknowledge it. Celebrate it. Then think about your family. What is God doing in your family right now? What is a specific victory your family has experienced? What is something God has worked in your life, in your family at this moment? It could be, it could be anything. Man, in the, in the environment we're living in. Hey, did you make it? Did your family make it through the the COVID and it being in your house and it not spread to everybody? Huzzah! Celebrate that. Right? Did was there someone particularly weak in your family? Someone that's particularly vulnerable? And you prayed that as it was in your house, it wouldn't affect them and it didn't. It's now seemingly gone out of your house and they were spared. Huzzah! Celebrate that. See. The victories. See the work of God in your family. Celebrate it. What is God doing in the church right now? What is a specific victory our church has recently experienced? What is a way, a specific way God is working in our church right now? Look for these things. God is always at work in us and through us and for us. Always. Now, 
We are not probably, probably not going to be able to recognize all the ways God is at work in us, through us, and for us. I think we're just, we're limited and we can't see all that God does kind of behind the scenes. But just because we can't see all that God does doesn't mean we can't see any of what God does. Right now, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how good or how bad or how strong you feel or how weak you feel or what you're struggling with right now, if you're a disciple of Jesus, God is at work in you and through you and for you. He is at work in your family. He is at work in our church. And the need, the need for us is to stop, turn off the TV, Shut off social media. And just think. What is God doing in me, in us, right now? Recognize it. See it. Acknowledge it. And celebrate it. Celebrate what God is doing in your life. The desire to move forward must be greater than the temptation to quit. So we must fuel our desire to move forward by celebrating current victories and current ways God is working in our lives. So remember past victories. Celebrate current victories. Reject complacency. Again, in in chapter 13, there's still all of this land yet to be accomplished, yet to be conquered. And they have accomplished much, as you can see from chapter 12, but there's still a lot to be done. God reminds Joshua that the land that remains is still very much. And and in many ways, Joshua and the Israelites have a choice to make. Will they be satisfied with what God has done and then settle for complacency? And this is good enough. Or will they see what God is doing and let this spur them on for further achievement, spur them on to continue moving forward? Will they reject complacency and seek the fulfillment of all God has promised? Or will they embrace complacency and accept just a partial of what God has promised? Right? Because remember, God hasn't promised just to give them part of the land, has he? Every place the sole of the foot shall tread is land God has given them. All they have to do is walk over there and take it and it's theirs. God's promise is for all of the land. There are boundaries and God has said all of these boundaries from here to here and there to there. It's yours. All you have to do to take all you have to do is go. So will they embrace complacency and just say good enough. Well done. We're stopping. Or will they say, no, no, I'm going to reject complacency. I I don't want just a part of what God has promised. I want all of what God has promised. The same choice is always before us as well. Will we see what God has done or is doing in us and through us and for us and say, good enough, well done. Further than I ever thought I would be. Or will we reject complacency? Say what God is doing and what God has done. 
I'm going to let that be fuel for more. Right? So what do I mean by more? The fullness of all God has promised. Well, again, think in terms of personal. Personal level. The Bible tells us we have spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12.1 tells us not to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now, gifts, these gifts, these spiritual gifts are given to us by God through the Holy Spirit who indwells us to enable us to further the kingdom of God on earth. Let me ask you something. Do you live like you are supernaturally empowered by the Spirit of the living God who lives inside of you to advance the kingdom of God on earth? Because you are. There is a gift given to you if you're a born-again believer. And God gave you that gift to supernaturally empower you to advance His kingdom in Gaiman, in Hooker, in Texhoma, in Goodwill, and to the ends of the earth. Are you experiencing the fullness of what this gift means? And what you're supposed to do with it for the glory of God. Also on a personal level, Jesus told the disciples once they should believe upon Him in John 14, 11. And if they didn't just believe on Him because they knew Him, they should believe on Him for the works He's done. And the very next verse He goes on to say, those who believe on Me shall do the works I've done and greater still. The works He's done, if we believe upon Him and we're following Him, the works of Jesus should be being done in our midst through us as individual disciples of Jesus. The greater the idea of greater works is there would be more of them. But if, if Jesus was here to do His works, there would be one Jesus. But if we're all here believing in Jesus and experiencing the fullness of that promise, there's 50 Jesuses here. Not really 50 Jesuses. That's not, I'm not preaching heresy. I'm just saying there's 50 of us to do the works greater still. Do you see anything in your life resembling the works of Jesus? Whether it be compassion, love, sharing the gospel, making disciples, helping people find freedom through Christ. We, we should. Do we... Are we going to let what's happened in the past cause us to say, well, that's enough? Or are we going to say, I, I want the fullness of all God has promised me? Or in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And we are pleading with people to be reconciled to God. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's you, that's me, all of us. God wants to work in us and through us and for us to take people who are far from Him and bring them to the place where they are surrendered to Him. They love Him. They worship Him. They live for Him. I mean, that's, that's, that's the promise. That's the fullness of what God wants for us. That we would help reconcile the world around us to God through Christ. 
And do you experience the fullness of that? Are you pleading with people? Is God pleading through you for people to be reconciled? It's what's available. So are we going to embrace complacency and say, good enough, well done? We're going to reject it and say, there's more, and I, I want the more. Or think about in with our family. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, it says uh, he who finds a wife, but the reason, remember, much of Proverbs is written as a dad to his son. So it doesn't mean that, that wives are the only good thing in the marriage and the only favor It's the spouse. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A woman who finds a husband receives a a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I mean, is your marriage that way? Is your marriage where you know your spouse, that is a good gift from God to you? Do you have a marriage where you look at your spouse and you know... That is one way you're certain God loves you and wants you to be happy because of the spouse He has given you. Should be. Can be. Are we going to say, ah, well, you know, we're committed to each other and we're not going to get divorced, but it's not like that. Good enough. Well done. Are we going to seek to move forward and into the fullness of what it's supposed to be in our life? Or, or, or a love-based relationship in our marriage. Right? Ephesians 5 says husbands are love their wives like Christ loves the church. Titus 2.4 says the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. So our marriages should be built on Christ and bonded with our love for one another. I mean, do you have a, a love-based marriage? You look at your spouse and you just, I love them should I mean are we going to maybe say well I, I can, we tolerate each other fine but love eh, we tolerate good enough well done we'll stop here we're going to keep moving forward to the fullness of God's promises or children shot out for like arrows for the glory of God Psalm 127 and 4 says talks about children are like arrows shot out. And our, our kids, they're meant to be, in some ways, weapons against the enemy for the glory of God in, in the world around us. And yet in so many cases, what we do is we accept rebellion or backsliddenness or prodigal nature in our kids because kids are going to be kids. And as long as our kids are, you know, essentially moral and not that bad, we'll we'll be okay with it. But is that all we're going to do? Are we going to settle? Or are we going to strive and fight and move forward and do what it takes so our kids are redeemed and sanctified? And no matter where they go or what they do, they're shot out like arrows for the glory of God into the world. Or our church. The Bible talks about The church being built upon Christ and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. I mean, don't you want to be a part of a church that's assaulting the gates of hell in Gaiman, Texoma, Hooker, Goodwell, and to the ends of the earth? I mean, I, I do. What God has done in our church in the past is fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. I, I would never not rejoice in those things. But there's more. I want the gates of hell to not be able to stand against the Northridge Free Will Baptist Church in Guyman, in Hooker, Texoma, in Goodwill, in Bulgaria where we help, in Uruguay where we have missionaries from our association. Or make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations. That's not hyperbole, that's real. The church really is to make disciples of all nations. And and, and man, in our church, think about it. The nations live here. We have an opportunity to be able to make disciples of nations, of places we've never heard of and would never get to go. Don't you want to try to make disciples of all nations? I mean, here, start here. Then be able to To maybe help the Somalis in town to reach them for Jesus. Disciple them and and equip them and be able to send them back to their home. Where they can go and they can make disciples of the nations there. I mean, we've, we've reached people. We've made disciples. We've sent people out. It is wonderful. But there's more. Or in Acts 19, it talks about the church in Ephesus. And they they make such an impact on their community that the people who make idols gather together and they're worried. There's this this group in town and they're saying that that gods made with hands are no gods at all and, and we're losing money. Our goddess is is losing Her honor, not because they went to city council and and got them to stop doing something, not because they had a particular politician who tried to minimize that or or because they even organized an organized boycott. They just reached so many people for Jesus and made such strong disciples of Jesus that people quit buying idols, that they quit Taken them, they threw them away, they burned their books that had witchcraft stuff in it. The whole community was, was changed and turned upside down by the church of Jesus Christ as it was spirit filled and proclaimed the gospel. Don't you, don't you long for that? We all know stories of people in our town who profit from human slavery to sin. And the answer to that is the church and the gospel and Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And if we won't, if we won't long for the more, we get complacent. It'll never happen. Those who profit from human slavery to sin will continue to profit. They'll not fear the church. They'll mock the church. They'll think very little of the church. 
And that is certainly not the fullness of what God has for His church. These things are just some of what the Bible tells us about the fullness of what God wants to do in us and through us and for us. So the question remains, are we, are you, am I going to look at what's been done in us and through us and for us and say, good enough, well done. Or are we going to look at what's been done and say, I want more. What's been done is wonderful. What's being done is tremendous, but there is more. And I want to experience the fullness of all God has promised and all God has said is available to me because of Jesus Christ. The desire to move forward must be greater than the temptation to quit. So we must fuel our desire to move forward by rejecting complacency in any form in which it would come into our lives. And then finally, remember past victories, celebrate current victories, reject complacency, and then finally keep moving forward. Joshua 13 and 7, God tells Joshua to divide the land. And what they're supposed to do is, Joshua is going to divide the land among the tribes. And then the tribes are going to move out and they're going to conquer their particular part of the land. And what I like is that they do that, right? So what we see, chapter 13 verse 7 on, in chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, is, is they're, they're choosing to move forward. But they're not just saying we're going to move forward. There are very specific steps they're going to take. Joshua is old and advanced in years. So he's not going to lead the armies forward in one massive army. He's now going to divide the lot. So Judah, you'll go there. and Ishakar, you'll go over there. And You'll go there, and then once it's divided, they're going to go and they're going to conquer the land. They're going to take very specific steps to continue moving forward to experience the fullness of all God has for them. If our choice is to move forward, rejecting complacency, we have to have next steps. So what are your next steps in moving forward following Jesus? I think in many ways we ought to write them out. I know writing things out on a piece of paper is pretty outdated in our technologically advanced days. And I'm not knocking technology. Notice I have an iPad here that I'm preaching from and I've got an iPhone over there and a MacBook in my office. But I say write them down because there is something about writing things down. Something final. Something forceful. That we don't have if we just think it. And at least for me, maybe you're different, but I don't even have it if I just type it. Right? So, for instance, when I study a sermon, I write out my notes and then I type them up because... Writing them out is more of a concrete way for me to say, this is what it means, this is what we should do, what I should do. 
I, I have a, a journal for my daily Bible reading. And I, I write in my journal. I, I don't have a journal I type in. So maybe you're different and that typing is okay with you. But I think it needs to go beyond just I think it to I put it down somehow. Whether on paper or on a file, a digital file. But write them out, type them out, be specific. And think in terms of the four P's. Right? So, personal. Your response should be personal. Right? If it's for you, what you're going to do, write down, I will. If it's for your family, we will. This isn't the time to write down, it would be good if someone ought to, what needs to happen. No. I will. We will. Make it practical. So it's personal and it's practical. It needs to be something you can do. Plan a definite course of action. I will do. Not not I will think. Not I will wish. Not I will long for. I will do. We will do. We will read the Bible. I will pray every day. Right? We want to to make it personal. I will, we will, and practical. This is the, the do... Also, it needs to be possible. Right? Your, your response should be something you can accomplish. Right? So, I will win Gaiman to Christ by Friday. That's not, not a good next step forward. That's a wish, but it's really not possible. I will share the gospel with a co-worker this week. Possible. I will get up early and pray long and pray for an hour. Possible. I will read through the Bible in a year. Possible. I will. I will do this. Possible. So we want it to possible. And then lastly, it needs to be provable. Here's what I mean. I will read my Bible more. What's that? How do you? How do you know if you've read your Bible more? I'm going to pray more. I'm going to share the gospel more. What what does that mean? What's more? Better to be very specific. So you can check to see if you've done it. I, I will read two chapters a day of the Bible. I will pray for an hour a day. Even if I can't do it all at once throughout the day, by the end of the day, I will have prayed an hour a day. I will share the gospel with at least one person every week. I will invite three people to church every week. Right? Provable. That way at the end of the time period you give yourself, you can say, I did it or I didn't do it. That's the example here. It's very specific. And it was when they were going to do it and they did it. And that's what we need to do.
if our choice is move forward, then we need to take specific steps. We need to sit down and think it through, write it or type it, make sure it's personable, personal, practical, possible, and provable. And hold ourselves accountable. Now, let me say with this about hold ourselves accountable. If we say, I'm going to read three chapters a day, every day, and maybe a day or two you don't, don't give up. Don't fall down in self-condemnation. Oh, I'm horrible, I'm worthless. That's certainly not of God. Instead, say, I didn't do it those days, today's a new day. I'm going to share the gospel once a week. I didn't last week, but this is a new week and I'm going to do it this week. We hold ourselves accountable, but we don't let what we're holding ourselves accountable to condemn us if we fall short. We just pray and say, God, I failed this time. Let me do better next time. The desire to move forward must be greater than the temptation to quit. So we must fuel our desire to move forward. And then we actually have to move forward. We have to take those specific steps forward. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. You are our rock and our fortress, our strength and our shield. You have promised much for us in Scripture. And you have secured those promises through the blood of Christ who has become the yes and the amen to all of your promises. So when we look at your word and it says we can reconcile people to you. We don't have to wonder, can I? The answer is yes and amen. We look at what it says to be holy. We don't have to wonder, can I? Because the answer is yes and amen. When we look at what it says about the gospel going forth through a a rural church in the middle of the panhandle of Oklahoma, we don't have to wonder if it's possible because the answer is yes and amen. Let us believe that. Take your word at absolute face value, yes and amen, and refuse to be complacent or to stop short the fullness of all you've promised to give us all you've promised to do in us and through us and for us. Make us individuals who move forward, families who move forward, and a church who moves forward for the glory of your name among our community, among our state, and among the nations. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, next week, we regather in person next Sunday morning, regular time Sunday school. Um, all things back to the normal schedule next, starting next Sunday morning. Uh, if you want to mail your check before then, it's post office box 1707, Guyman, Oklahoma, 73942. And Lavina will get it and make sure it goes where it needs to go. And then if you want to give online, the address is here. It's on our Facebook page. Be sure to do that. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Love you guys. Bye-bye.